0: jason and i'm laura and today on the project's edge we're going to be talking about the new sounds of school travel the desire to plan and then not being able to actually plan for anything and we're going to have our first guest speaker he's price johnson and he is a professor of theater at colorado state university and he's going to be talking about his concerns for the arts during this time thanks for joining us here on the edge So we made it through, I guess now, Laura, would be two weeks of school. Made it through is a very good term. I think we'll we'll be talking about some of that. Mm You sound a little stuffy. Are you stuffy?
1: I am. We, um, (laughs) in addition to being allergic to life in general, pretty much anything that grows or has fur, Um, we have some fires up around us and there are days when the wind shifts and blows it straight down here. And so, um, I wasn't even able to see the mountains this morning and then a pollen alert popped up on my phone. So I figured (laughs) it's going to be one of those days,
0: but we got some rain. That was good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I really hope it rained up there hard. Um, that would be so helpful to all the firefighters and the people.
0: (laughs) Up there. Well, we're lucky that we're not as bad as California, but we've got stuff close enough that we've had really kind of a tough go of just being outside. And that's been part of our plan at school, too, is that we're mm-hmm. not we're trying not to eat inside the classroom um, just so we can have more space and spread out. But that's put us out into the middle of this smoke inhalation, too, which has just been another factor in all this craziness.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's kids that have the same problems I do and allergies and stuff, and then they get outside and they want to run and they want to play and it's just hard to breathe and hard to, so we're trying to decide, is it safer inside or safer outside? And it's just, and that's kind of like every day there, what's safer, what's best. And by the end of the day, we're just exhausted. I think (laughs) with trying to be safe all the time.
0: True. Talk about inhalation. I was thinking um, when I was, cleaning up because we now clean up at the end of each hour with a spray bottle and spraying everything down. And that's kind of leads us into our new sounds of school that at the end of the hour, it's not the bell that you're hearing to let everybody out. It's the squirt bottles that are kind of going off everywhere to, to clean up.
1: Yeah. That's kind of what gave me the um, idea to talk about the sounds of school is this coworker who popped in and I'm spritzing down all the desks and she just says all oh, the sound of school and we kind of giggle but it stuck with me and i was like that that is true just thinking about how school sounds now it's a lot of yep. spray bottle spray bottle and um at the end of class and even the hallways sound different i mean we have less kids which i can't say that i hate um we've always wanted smaller class sizes but. It's a lot of stay on this side, stay apart, don't touch, don't touch, pull that mask up.
0: (laughs) Use the right upstairs and go down the right downstairs because we've kind of limited movement throughout the building as well.
1: Yeah, I have to remind myself of that all the time. Where's the downstairs? Which upstairs can I go down? Are we going down the upstairs? (laughs) It's just, oh, geez.
0: Well, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a big pain in a way, but you know, as we, as we tell the kids, it's the only thing that's going to keep us in the building. And right now we've been in the building for two full weeks and, uh, our, our school has not been impacted yet. We've had some other schools mm-hmm. in our district that have had some people that have needed to quarantine, but we haven't. And behavior is to be, um, I guess given credit for that.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe that is that's that story, that sounds that we want to be in school as long as possible is really resonating with the kids more than I could have hoped. And they do want to be in school, even with the masks and the restrictions. I've just heard a lot of kids saying, I want to be here. I want to be here. And so I feel like they're trying more. Than people might have thought they would, and and I really appreciate that. I hope we'll be able to continue. When you in think school,
0: of, yeah, and when you think of middle school kids, perfection is not the word that you would use, but they <laughs> are as perfect as they could be. I mean, mm-hmm. really, they have done everything uh, that they could have, and I, I saw that the first few days, and of course, there's a little bit of a honeymoon, and you wonder if that will continue. But, you know, even after two weeks, I'm spending very little time with behavior management around um, the health part of all this.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like the few times I've reached out to families, there have been a pretty fast, positive response that that it'll be like, okay, we're on it. We'll try to help. I think they want their kids in school too. One one of the new sounds that you might hear in the classroom and though we've been lucky not to have to quarantine a cohort is we've had some kiddos out and um, we have had them remote in by their Chromebooks or by our Chromebooks. And I have to say yesterday, it was quite interesting. I have a kiddo um, on, on a Chromebook facing the screen. And um, I guess one of the sounds would have been if, Thank goodness I've gotten my summer filter back on or my school filter, (laughs) I guess, is what it would be that I didn't cuss in front of the class. Because about 10 minutes in, I realized, oh, gosh, I was supposed to open my Chromebook and have this kiddo remoting in. So I'm freaking out and the kids are trying to help me. And it was also because the first time he did it, they brought the Chromebook to me and then they gave every teacher a Chromebook of their own. And I had totally forgotten. So, of course, if you've ever fired up a Chromebook or any technology for the first time, it takes forever to log in. And then all the things that pop up, like allow this and is this okay," And I am just almost cussing, Not cussing, (laughs) not cussing, but almost cussing. And the kids are laughing, but trying to help. And and they're pretty sweet. But then you have a kid on on technology and there's that weird Tech sound, I guess, and kind of the delay and he's participating, he's doing a wonderful job, but it, it is a whole different sound for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and hearing somebody come in through the speaker into your classroom versus just the live voices, that's a different sound and a change. Mm-hmm. Um, remembering to go over to monitor chat because there's a few ways to do it. One of the ways I've been doing mm-hmm. is is I've just had them Go ahead and shout out anything that they have uh, if they've got a question. But I had another um, colleague who I thought this is a, a pretty interesting idea. She said she said that she's told the student to mute the mic and then she's turned the volume up as far as she can on the Chromebook and mm-hmm. told the person to do to use chat. And so she'll hear the ding of the chat.
1: Oh, and right. then that will
0: take her over. And that way um, the the remote learner doesn't feel like they have to compete with the sounds that are coming through the classroom. And, right. you know, the, and we don't forget that's about like them. A,
1: a virtual hand raise almost.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: That would be great, I think, for. So the class that I had only had six kiddos in it, seven with him virtually. So it kind of worked out but I could see one of my bigger classes that that would be really helpful because the kiddos in the classroom are already talking and kind of jabbering. And then um, I think by the end of the day, he was kind of tired of being on a screen and oh, yeah. tired of sitting in his room. So there were a few noises coming from the room. He has this awesome, um, baby Yoda balloon that kept floating into the screen. And (laughs) (laughs) so I was like, Oh, these are different things that I'd never thought I'd be talking about. Like, could you please put your inflated baby Yoda balloon over to the side? (laughs) Yep. So sounds from the teachers as well. And coworkers. Um, That was the other note that I thought about coworker talk and getting together and, and, the quiet of the staff
0: break room. Yeah. It's basically a ghost town. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, also because we have such little time to eat. I usually, I take our 25 minute break. Um, when they go to one of their classes and I'm reshuffling cleaning and then cramming food down my throat, but I do it alone. Yeah. So it's,
0: kind of sad. Well, you're talking about social gatherings, but even from a professional gathering standpoint, they've changed things on us where we started the year six feet apart in the gym, basically. Mm -hmm. And so we had masks on and we were six feet apart. And so, uh, of course, we're trying to minimize any kind of spread. But recently they said that we're not going to get together anymore together in a big staff meeting. And instead, we would just have a Google Meets for our staff meeting as well, which... Really makes a lot of sense, um, in particular in our district, because subs are a big deal and the shortage of subs may be why we cannot continue.
1: Yeah, the logistics of it, I think, kind of came crashing down that if you have um, 11 teachers in a cohort and they have to quarantine, you have to get 11 subs in for those all those days. You got to have 11 bodies in there and that's one building um, all the other buildings, what, you know, the normal things you need subs subs for. So they're like, we need, we need you guys not to to not be here. So stay in your room. Although I have a feeling that you enjoy that kind of a staff meeting since,
0: well, it was nice to just stay in my room right after and not have to fight for a seat. It was nice that it was quick and it Mm -hmm. was very efficient. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff and we were able to get in and out of there. So I, I didn't really mind it.
1: Yeah. I thought I stopped by our principal's room on the next day and, and just said how well I thought it went considering you sometimes can feel disconnected, but there was emotional moments and funny moments and we were clapping and I thought it worked out actually really well. And it gave me hope that, that we're doing. Okay.
0: Well, there were emotional moments, which was kind of cool. We get, we give a, a, a gift, um, and kind of a, a, an award away each, um, staff meeting. And, um, I don't, I wondered if that emotion would have played out the same way if you were face to face with people or if sure. your defenses would have been up a little bit more. And because we were remote, the people who showed emotion felt more okay being vulnerable <laughs>
1: Yeah. Cause you were kind of in your own space and yeah. that's true. I mean, I, I cried, I was wiping my eyes for sure. So yeah, in a good way, it was a good cry, a good, so proud. So look what we've done.
0: Um, so that felt good. It, it has felt good. We, I, I don't know that any of us could have said with a certainty that we would finish two weeks um, <laughs> with everybody intact and, and we have, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that that substitute situation. I have always felt like we've been a little bit op- too optimistic with our thought that we're going to get people to cover. I have always wondered when you say to somebody you're coming in to replace somebody who has been exposed to a contagious Virus? Yeah. How many people are really willing to do that? I, w- I always thought we were a little bit too optimistic, thinking that people are going to take that on.
2: Yeah,
1: I was worried about that too because you you know you're being called in because somebody's either sick or exposed, and then you ha- it has to go through your mind. Well, if they got exposed, yeah, I'm going into their space. How fast will it be before I'm exposed? Especially if they're there multiple days covering a quarantine situation. I do have to say I was very pleasantly surprised that I had to take a I had to take a sick day already um, for a medical procedure. I have a bad back and I have to go get a spinal injection. And I was able to get a sub and I was so like, oh, wow, I'm so happy (laughs) that this was available. I was surprised. Um, So hopefully we're keeping safe and we're able to maintain this then we'll be okay with our sub situation. I do feel like the next two weeks are going to be pretty telling because now we've really been around each other for two weeks. And there's that whole 14 day period after you start mingling that you really watch.
0: So I I think that's, I think that's a good point. I'm here's something that I'm worried about and I hear it um, from people in the building, but I've also been noticing from sports teams and, and that's this, that things are happening and people aren't dying everywhere, although we still have close to a thousand deaths a day and people are starting to feel more comfortable with this new normal. And so one of the things that I heard from a staff member was we have a plan for when we go remote and what metrics we would use to, to go ahead and shut it down. What metrics are we going to use for coming back fully and normally? And while I appreciate the sentiment, I can't help but think as long as this virus is spreading, that's not going to happen. And maybe it's a little maybe dangerous is too strong of a word to even be thinking of this. And And I look at states like Florida and Texas and Arizona, who they were pretty fast in reopening. And some people said that they were too quick in getting their reopening going. And they had huge outbreaks, much more than anybody else. And I just worry that we're going to get complacent and think, Mm -hmm. oh, look how well we're doing. Let's go ahead and, uh, you know, open up another layer of normalcy. And we're going to end up getting shut down versus just staying the course and maybe being able to finish the whole year with the plan we have in place. I mentioned sports, you know, some of these college football conferences have canceled their season and there's some talk about some of them are considering coming back, but they, the data that they use to shut it down hasn't necessarily changed. So I worry that we're going to just be too comfortable and it's going to bite us, I guess.
1: I, I think you're right. I feel that, um, it would be comforting as a teacher to know that, okay, this is how we're going to go through this year because planning has been (laughs) so overwhelming and hard and people have been in tears just trying to learn all this new technology. But also to say, because it's working, let's let it work. I hate the idea of saying, oh, this worked and let's yank the rug out. And then I remember in the staff meeting when that was brought up and I typed in there to our assistant principal and said, does that mean would coming back mean all the kids together? And I type that with trepidation, being nervous that the answer might be, "Yeah, we'll right. just go back to normal." And going, "No, no, 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 not, not yet. We can do a year this way, and let's let let's stay safe, um, and keep it safe." I think, um, uh, and I don't know if we're ready to transition to the next topic, but that feeling of normalcy is something I am battling when it comes to travel, and my poor husband just kind of rolls his eyes at me um we are the kind of people who always have a a trip in the hopper if not two, to look forward to to get excited about yeah and i want to plan and i get on the sites and i'm a big disney nut so i'm looking they've reopened i'm trying to see how's it going and what dates could i travel and could i plan this i get real excited and then i'm like oh am I falling into that trap that you just talked about feeling like things are normal-ish and I can go back to this instead of just being safe for another year. And by year, I mean like a school year. Right.
0: Yeah. What's the cancellation policy? I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, I can totally see how I would want to plan a vacation. Let's just look at spring break. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what spring break is going to look like in terms of uh, resorts being open. I know that some of the resorts that that are popular are still closed down and not taking anybody. It would seem to me like they would be okay with you booking and then not giving a penalty to you if you choose that it's unsafe or we get to that point, so that at least they have some stuff on their books. Are they allowing people? Can you tell to to book without penalty in case they? Cancel?
1: Well, I think the places that have acknowledged the hardship on travelers, the difficult decision to make for your family to go or not go, those are the places that are going to do well with customers. And it's going to be tight right now and it's going to be difficult on them. But in the long run, I think they'll keep customer loyalty. If they're willing to do that. I don't, I can't speak for all the other places. Cause as I mentioned, I'm kind of a Disney nut. So I look at them first and I do know that they have changed a lot of their, uh, the way that you can cancel and travel. Uh, the Disney cruise line is oh, one of my favorite things in the world to do. And they have a, a thing going right now. If you book before a certain time and you travel between now and May, um, you can cancel 15 days ahead of the cruise, which is huge for a cruise, yeah. um, line it, you, you couldn't do that or you'd have to forfeit some money, but they're, they're definitely adjusting. Uh, my husband definitely <laughs> is not as willing to look at a, a, cruise line right now. For some reason, a boat feels very captured to him. Um, so although I'm just wishing, wishing, wishing. Speaking of spring break, I keep looking at it. I'm like, it's far enough away. I could plan something, right?
0: Well, if you're going to dream and you're going to want to like fantasize about vacation, (laughs) you're going to want to, to have what you like to do and the best thing that's available to you. I see, I see what your husband is saying though, because I still have in the back of my mind, all those people that were on those ships (laughs) when we went into lockdown and they were not able to get off those ships and they had no idea. Oh, That could happen. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I I can get on a cruise ship. That is what he said. He said, both,
1: both of us would lose our job. If, if there was an outbreak and we had to stay on the ship, we would lose our jobs. And your mind. And he's like, if we went to Disney world or somewhere around the, you know, the country, we could at least rent the car and drive home. I said, Oh, okay. Good point.
0: Um, well, I know you're not the only one feeling that.
1: Oh yeah. um, no, I know there's a, a lot of talk of trips and things and it just filters back to that idea you were saying of are we getting comfortable and it's hard. You, you wear down, you feel that fatigue that they've been talking about, that we've just been doing this for so long now. And I was thinking if we get to March um, or when we get to March, it'll have been a year since the last time I, I traveled at all. And that's when, you know, when everything was hitting. And that's just strange. I know for PJ, um, he's speaking of CSU and stuff. He runs a three-week program over in England. Students sign up for it. And it was canceled last year, obviously. And he's just sitting and waiting. He's trying to recruit, but he can't tell anybody if it'll happen. Yeah. Um, the semester at C has been canceled. So his is up next on the chopping block, I guess, is a way to think about it. So we can't even... Uh, plan or not plan for that. Cause oftentimes we'll just fly over at the end and tack on a little travel around Europe. And it's, it's always been awesome. But again, just in that holding pattern, just waiting. And nobody has an answer. No, no. And I guess we just got to get used to that. Just waiting. I feel is isn't, there's a, like a children's book, kittens full moon or something. And <laughs> she's looking at the moon, just waiting. Just I feel seeing. like that.
0: Well, I think with travel, we're just going to have to be optimistic and be hopeful and planning if we can and, and hope that we come back to it at some point, which which of course we will. I agree. Hey, guess what? We have our first ever guest speaker and I'm super excited. Do you want to introduce him?
1: I do. So sitting here with us today is Price Johnston. He is a professor at Colorado State University. He teaches theater he's a former chair of the theater department and he is going to talk to us about red alert for the arts the impact that the pandemic has had on the arts theater specifically and his concerns and worries for his students for their jobs going forward for the future outlook of this field that has been his life for the past oh forever how long have you been doing this 30 years
2: okay Wow. I was thinking like 20, but
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) it makes you old price. Johnston.
2: I know I am. I'm so glad to be here so I can show my age.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're glad to have you. Um, again, uh, you're, you're going to have some insight into some things at the higher level than, than what we're working at. And we want to hear what's going on.
2: Well, I first, I want to say thank you for having me. Uh, this is a great opportunity to get out there. Um, it's been an interesting time for those of us that are working in the arts. Our industry was one of the first industries to close down. Um, and that was across the board. And as it looks, it looks like it may be the, uh, one of the last industries to kind of try to restart itself. Um, and from the looks of things, most people are planning um, a restart within the arts somewhere around March of next year. So that's still quite a ways off in the distance. And A lot of unknowns. I, yeah, so many unknowns, right? And, and and that time that we've had from when the arts have shut down across the board to the time that um, we're hoping to restart everything face to face. Um, is giving us enough time to do the research that we need when it comes to what what is the impact that a singer has on spreading, uh, Um, a potential virus or whatnot. And that kind of research is what's happening at the university levels, but all of these other professional theaters have been closed down or, or just not just theaters, but arts and, and events in general. So it's just had this profound impact across the industry.
1: One of the things you had mentioned when this had happened, I remember you saying, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe what's happening with CIRC," and it kind of really, if you tell us about that and how it felt, and it kind of really sank in for you that you are a professor for these kids, young adults who come through and then are trying to go out to these jobs, and you saw this major, major company do what they had to do in COVID and it just really impacted you. Talk to us about that.
2: Right. So everyone knows a famous actor, but they probably can't point out a director of photography or a cinematographer on a film. Right. Um, unless that's really something that you're focused on. So there are so many people that work behind the scenes and when, um, the pandemic started, all of these larger companies, whether it be like the Denver Center Theater Company or Cirque du Soleil, they had to furlough or even jettison employees that they had. And that that was everyone that worked backstage as well. So I guess it's hard to fathom the impact that it actually has on events and live performance and the arts, unless you understand some of the numbers. Um, So to give you an example, in the UK, um, the industry is in U.S. dollars is like one hundred and thirty point five billion dollars and they employ six hundred thousand people. And that's uh, a country that's, you know, not the size of the United States. And then if you take the same uh, numbers in the United States, you're looking at over a trillion dollars worth of economic impact. And twelve million employees, and that's just the U.S. Right? So, when you look at that, and then you say, "Wow, Cirque had to close down," and this is a huge company that has a stran—not not a strangle—but they have a very big influence in uh, you know Las Vegas or whatnot, um, and with touring shows across the states, all of these employees are impacted. So they ended up having to lay off so many employees. In fact, the majority of their employees, and they had kept on like an executive team and everyone else was out of work. So there's just, what do you do? Like, how, how do you, how do you continue to teach your students when this kind of impact is going and whether or not our industry is going to be affected for you know, years or decades to come, right? Right.
1: You and know, how do you continue to bring them in and say, you know, you're going to get your degree here, and
2: hopefully, there's right a restarted industry for you to go back to. Right. Now, there is one shining light from this, and that is those majors, at least in my area, in theater alone. They're actually highly sought sought after employees. At the business level Mm. or in the business field, because they are taught to be great collaborators and their communication skills um, that and, and their approaches, right, allow them to work really well in interdisciplinary or interdepartmental workings, right? Yeah. So, um, business, um, week magazine and, and money magazine have done articles about how theater majors or performing arts majors are actually sought after by fortune 500 companies because they can actually bridge the gap that other employees can't because they have that unique perspective. (laughs) So if they did need to um, work within a different field, there is that opportunity there. It just depends on how we look at the new reality. Right.
0: Yep. As I say here and listen to you, I am thinking back to what we talked about earlier in the program. And that is that some folks kind of have the sense that, Hey, we're doing this and everything's kind of back to normal. And so why isn't everything back to normal? And And I think of things like just traveling, through the town and the traffic and the amount of people out everywhere sure would give you the sense that everybody's back to work and that everybody is making money and that nobody's having an issue. And so it's really interesting to have the full context of what's going on and how many businesses behind the scenes that maybe don't require, you know, the, the daily nine to five travel are, are still shut down. And, it reminds me a little bit of all of the sports leagues too, and the and the vendors and the concession stand workers and the and all of those folks that even though they're having those sports, those people are all out of work too. Because uh, and so when people start to say, "Oh, look, we're we're surviving this, we're good," there's still lots and lots of people that are not mingling in in the way that they would in a normal situation. That has really helped us contain the virus.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And, and that's why there is this initiative, which is called Red Alert Restart for the Arts, because I think people have forgotten uh, the impact uh, that this has had on events and the performing arts. And, and this is a global initiative. It's happened all over where people are or, or the organizations are lighting up their buildings all in red to show, Hey, we're still here. Um, we're still being creative artists and coming up with solutions and planning ahead for the future. But at the same time, we're impacted and we want you to know that we're still part of the community and it's important to show that. And I think that that's why Red Alert started. And it's, it's like I said, a global, um, initiative. So, I'm excited that we're going to attempt to do this on Tuesday night here at, um, at CSU. Uh, and that will entail us doing some lighting and some projections on our building in order to, um, bring us into the forefront of the community again and show that, uh, we're still, we're still kicking, we're ready to re-engage, but right now we're, we're playing it safe. And, and that's the, the right path. It is, um, the, the way that even how Disney had to kind of do this staggered start and where they're at, that's still performing arts, right? So right. they have all these technicians and they have all of these performers and they had singers and dancers and everyone that we have within our building, right. Could have come, and be a a future Disney employee. So that is a huge company that's restarting, but most of these theaters have not restarted yet. So we're in the same boat as those theaters in on Broadway and those theaters down in Denver and, you know, in in Atlanta and in LA and whatnot, we're on the waiting game until we think it's safe. um, And then we can protect um, the audience members. Right. and we can protect each other, um, and then practice our craft. So I think this red alert thing is really important to just show that we are still there. Um, I think, I think it's easy, um, to kind of fathom its impact when you're a movie buff, because this summer, when you think about it, right. Um, I really wanted to go see Top Gun, yeah. but th- it's not out right now. So so many movies aren't out. But Bill right? and
0: Ted's excellent adventure three is out, guys. Oh
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am I'm excited when that kind of thing will happen, but that's that's a direct correlation to what I'm talking about. And it's easier to understand when you're like, wait, yeah, you're right. All the summer blockbusters are not there right now. And here we are getting at the tail end of summer and none of that has happened. So all of that money that was would have been generated or all of those jobs that would be in, in, um, in use now or, or up to speed right They're they're not there.
0: And so if, if people didn't notice it with the blockbusters or the, um, the, the movies, they're going to notice it when the fall tv schedule comes back mm-hmm. and there's not a fall tv schedule and it continues to be all reruns because it's the same thing those people weren't able to work and produce any kind of uh, of tv either yeah. right
2: yeah. right and those that that have uh, been producing they've had very strict guidelines on how they're going to approach this. And many times when they went on location for, for filming, then they chose to quarantine as a group and be away from their families for the duration of what was there. So that alone is a choice that has to be respected by them as well, because they're giving up X, Y, and Z amount of time um, at the same time, they chose that route to be safe. And I, um, I, I think it's the right thing to do rather than just push yourself right out there and say, well, we'll see if what happens and let's just get this running anyways, because we just can't, we can't wait any longer. Yep. But I, I, in the arts, I, there's just too much, there's too many, uh, inter- personal relationships and inner workings between different areas that you can't do that. It's, it's, it's got this kind of spiderweb structure and it, and it doesn't fit well with just a simple, um, like pe- put people in a box and it's right. that box is
1: safe. Kind of yes. like what we try to do at school. We have cohorts and the idea is like, we'll keep this cohort
0: away from this cohort and it doesn't work that way in theater because
2: no. <laughs> your cohorts a, all have to work together. It's to a collaborative it art form. Right. So yeah. Right.
0: So this red alert for the art you said is going to happen Tuesday. Is that an open to the public or is it just kind of meant as a recording and then you'll publish that? And if so, where can people see it?
2: it will be on the social media streams for Colorado state and for the university center for the arts. Um, And most theaters that are participating in it, it will be on all their social media, but you can come and, you know, drive by and see it live. Um, In this case, we'll have some projected elements and some animation that'll be on the front of the building. But for the most part, most of the theaters are just blazing on lights on the out, uh, the exterior of their structures for the night just to show that this is a space that is still um active and that to try to draw your eye in right and the color red does that very well so red alert restart or red alert for the arts is the is that you know initiative
0: well thank you for sharing that with us we appreciate that's that's important information and I think it just ties in we're, we're almost every week we're talking about the pandemic and education and, and how it impacts all of us. And this just gives another element to that. So thank you, yeah. Bryce. Yeah.
1: We appreciate you being here. Um, I do have to tack on a little kudo and a thank you to price as well. You talked about how theater people have all these great crossover skills and you are no exception. If you've noticed our logo, it was designed completely by Bryce Johnston. He has some pretty mad skills that come in helpful to the people who are lucky enough to know him.
2: So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I uh, yeah, it's it's been a pleasure to work with the whole program as you know, in general. So thanks for having me on.
0: You're welcome. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. We'll probably bring you back at some point. Thanks. Laura, I was, I was not kidding when I said I was super excited about this. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 3, which I'm not even sure that that's what it's called. Oh my gosh, we are too, actually. I was so into that when it came out and I was probably 20. I don't know. Maybe I was younger than that. But um, I had when we had the. Uh, were, you, were you Keanu's age? You were same maybe, age? Well, maybe. I don't, I don't know. How old is he? <laughs> Oh, I could look it up, but we good. I, you remember when we had answering machines and oh my, my gosh, yes. recorded message was a line off of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Cause I was super cool. <laughs> Yes. Okay. What? What did you do? You remember the line? Like- um. I don't. But I'm gonna figure out what the line was because I'm gonna make my poor daughter watch Bill and Ted's yeah. original. Yes. So and are then, we? Yep. And then we're gonna watch the the. I don't know if we'll watch the second one or not. I don't even know oh. if I've ever seen the second one. But we're gonna watch mm. the third one.
1: We have had that debate because. We really like to do if we if we're commit to a a series, we're like, we're going to get through it. We're going to rewatch even even the ones we don't I have to say, sometimes the exception is if we rewatch Star Wars, we pretty much skip the prequels. But I have seen them, so I know what I'm skipping. (laughs) Um, Yes, Bill and Ted face the music. I when I saw that looking at my morning news before I come into work, I just ran up. To pj and it was like oh my gosh and i was just waking him up and showing him this and look at this i i I just i don't know i'm thrilled and so yes we're gonna make um our kiddo watch the first one we'll probably make her watch the second one
0: just to say we did we had to sit through it so well that's i think it's gonna be fun and it's time for me to watch hamilton again i think too (gasps)
1: oh my gosh yes again meaning you you have watched it right
0: oh i've watched it and i've watched it and i've watched it and it's time to watch (laughs) it again
1: yeah i can't remember a time when i haven't heard a hamilton song playing in the background in my house
0: (laughs) all right friend it was fun today
1: yes thank
0: you thanks for joining us everybody
1: thanks for hanging out on the edge with us we'll see you next time